electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Bring in show music, please. Today on Squawk Pod. Crisis averted, but can they work together? House Minority Leader Hakeem Jeffries on reaching across the aisle ahead of the next funding showdown. We are ready, willing, and able to find bipartisan common ground with our Republican colleagues whenever and wherever possible. And coming back to the set, HGTV's Property Brothers, Drew and Jonathan Scott. We haven't seen you in person in quite some time. I thought it was a restraining order or something. The best way to build an affordable home in a tight housing market. Start to look again at how you can have some longevity into a home. Get into a home your family can grow into, and you're going to build that equity within the home. Plus, NYC versus Pepsi, shopping at Target, and West Virginia Senator Joe Manchin. Maybe, is he considering a third-party run? If you're at 75% of Americans don't want a rematch from 2020, is there really something there? I'm CNBC producer Zach Valisi. It's Thursday, November 16th. Squawk Pod begins right now. Stand back, goodbye in three, two, one. Cue it, please. Good morning and welcome to Squawk Box right here on CNBC. We're live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Becky Quick, along with Joe Kernan and Andrew Ross Sorkin. And uh, here we go. New overnight, the Senate passing the House's short-term government funding bill. Uh, 87 senators voted in favor, one Democrat and 10 Republicans voting against that bill. On this vote, the yeas are 87, the nays are 11. The 60-vote threshold having been achieved, the bill is passed. The bill now heads to the president, President Biden's desk, for his signature before tomorrow night's shutdown deadline move effectively kicking the spending fight in Congress to early next year. So we'll have this conversation all over again. And in other uh, political news, West Virginia Democrat uh, Joe Manchin, the senator, appears to be inching closer to a presidential run. Here's what he said in an interview uh, with Meet uh, the Press uh, host uh, Kristen Welker yesterday. Just to clarify, just to put a fine point, I know you haven't made any decisions. But are you considering running for president? I will do anything I can to help my country. Is that a yes? And you're saying, does that mean you would consider it? Absolutely. Every American should consider if they're in a position to help save the country. Okay. Uh, Manchin said he first has to explore whether there's an appetite among voters uh, for a moderate candidate like him. He announced last week uh, that he wasn't going to seek re-election to the Senate, which prospects were dim anyway. yeah, it, it, would did, be, it did not look like he would win. No, it would be historic. A, a, a third, I don't know, what do you even call it? Uh, we've tried it before. Third party. Ross Perot, which, you know, Dana Carvey made a living on. on uh, he had support on with Ross the no Perot. labels. With the no labels. You mean Manchin? Manchin did, yeah. That's all Joe Lieberman. Not Dana Carvey. Yeah, yeah. saw Joe Manchin, or uh, sorry, uh, Joe Lieberman, another Joe, uh, sort of weighing in on it. And nobody knows whether, everybody says the same thing. If you're at 75%, of Americans don't want a rematch from 2020. Is there really something there? 
I mean, there is, but I think a it's it's kind of late in the game, and b if you don't have the is it late, why is it late in the game? We haven't had well, any. Well, because you to just to get on the ballot in a lot of states. Yeah. I mean, that's what we've heard time and time again is late to get on the ballot in a lot of these states. Not that you couldn't do it, but it would be a heavy lift. And if you don't have the party apparatus backing you up, then you need a lot of funding really quickly to get that moving. Yeah. Um, and. and that's where, where it kind of runs through. I think the biggest issue is just getting yourself in a position right. to be on the ballot. And he doesn't have much time. I and mean, he's got to so, figure this out literally like in the next month and a half, less. There are still people that, that point to elections past where there was something that we thought was definitely going to happen. And then either Iowa or New Hampshire, something totally unexpected yeah. happens. And that's why some of the, you know, the remaining presidential container, uh, contenders other than Donald Trump are spending so much time just trying to that would be amazing if someone yeah. was ahead in either Iowa or New Hampshire after right. the, the first primary. And then everything changes. People go, oh, wow, and, and you know, all bets are off. Right, right. Someone even made that point about on the Democrat, on the Democratic side. Who's the guy running, the, the House of Representatives guys running? And someone actually made the point if he were to get 20 or 30 percentage points, it would spell big problem. And then, you know, the RFK wild card is still... Still out there. Probably not a good idea if none of us know who the guy is, but his name's Dean Phillips. I, I, I couldn't remember his name. I, I knew who you were talking about, and I couldn't I know. Dean either. Phillips, he's a, uh, says here, little known yeah. U.S. Congress. So oh, we were 0 for 3, maybe not great prospects. for. And Marianne well, that's Will- not like any of us Marianne put much attention to the news. <laughs> yeah, right. Marianne Williamson also uh, in there. So, uh, yeah, I think Joe's looking pretty, <laughs> pretty solid at this point. Meantime, the state of New York uh, suing PepsiCo yesterday. It's an interesting case accusing the beverage and snack food giant of polluting the environment and endangering public health through its single-use plastic bottles and wrappers. It's one of the first lawsuits from a U.S. state targeting a major plastics producer. Now, New York AG Letitia James accusing PepsiCo of contributing to a public nuisance by generating a significant share of plastic waste found in and near upstate Buffalo, uh, the Buffalo River there. This includes more than 17% of trash that could be readily traced to specific brands. PepsiCo's spokesperson saying the company is serious about plastic reduction and effective recycling. And um, This one really threw me for a loop. It's interesting to see, like, whether this, you know, you're seeing all sorts of interesting cases being brought around a lot of different things, climate change in, in, in different states, other things. This isn't climate change. No, I know. This I'm just, just saying disgusting, this, disgusting, this, is a rec- plastic, this is a plastic yeah. issue. But if you can go after them for this, based on just the percentage of stuff you yeah. found, are there other states that will go after other companies? Yeah. You know, why is it not Coca-Cola in this particular state? Yeah, I think there's. I, I think this right? is a test case, right? Like, um, and and PepsiCo and Coke have made a big public effort to try to recycle. Recycle. Right to do things around plastics, around recycling. I mean, that's been their whole mod- I mean, advertisement, adver- advertising campaigns that have spent millions, if not billions of dollars trying to tell the public how great they are on this issue and then to have this happen. Yeah. Well, a lot of, you know a lot of water bottles. The, the, the lid on the water bottles is now about that Yeah, because if you grab it, it'll blow up in your hand. Well, those are, <laughs> it, it's like drinking out of a plastic bag now. It's like, you, you know, it, yeah. I have one next to my bed at night and, Many times I reach over what, and you what, squeeze it a little too much. And you, go, and, you know, now I'm soaking wet with cold water trying to go back to sleep. What cheap brand of water? You know, here, here on the show, cheap. we have a very fancy no, brand. I know. It is fancy. It, it is, is fancy. And it's, that tastes like butter. I mean, that is so smooth. What we're talking about, folks, is we're not advertising Fiji. for no. it, but we just seem to have it around here. I don't know why. I think it's the NASDAQ. Isn't that Fiji water? Yeah. 
It does. There's really a there's good. a very smoothness. Smooth. It's very smooth. It's very hard to just describe water as different types of water. I know. In the meantime, though, the island is sinking because they're. And then half the half the water that you pay for is not spring water, natural. It's just distilled right. water. water. Yeah. yeah. Filtered water. Aquafina. Yeah. I don't. I'll take any of them, whatever. And there are sales. I, I get 35 bottles for like four bucks or something. But I'm still cheap with them. Like when people come over. They don't finish them. It's like you can finish your water. It's like butter. Why is it different? I do the same thing. I make everything. Is this your water? There. I this make them write their initials on it with the. Well, my daughter comes Sharpie. home and there's like three of them around. Yeah. It's like when this one is still home. fine. When all the kids are home, I literally walk around with a sharpie and write, write right. initials on the top. No, like this bad. is yours. Finish it. And it's not about. I don't know what that's about. Actually, I can't defend you on that, but we. I do it too. <laughs> Target shares soared yesterday. Earnings smashed uh, estimates. The stock closed higher by nearly 18 percent, getting back some of uh, what has been a really tough stretch over the past 18 months or so. Last night on Mad Money, CEO Brian Cornell uh, said consumers have had uh, to make some tough choices but are still spending on discretionary items. We delivered $25 billion of sales in the third quarter. We're on track to deliver over $100 billion of revenue for the full year. And while there's opportunities for us to continue to accelerate our top line growth, half of our business and half of that revenue is still coming from discretionary categories, apparel and home and hardline. So they're still buying those categories. We'll generate over $50 billion of sales in those categories. Yesterday morning, Cornell spoke to CNBC about the response uh, from shoppers, shoppers to the, it is shocking, to items locked in cases to prevent theft. He said the response had been positive. Becky, I don't know what you think of this, because it meant that those items that were locked up, you could actually buy. And then they were in stock. And that outweighed the inconvenience of waiting for an employee to open right. the case. And we basically said, yeah, it's nice to be able, yeah, that's why you're at the store, is to buy, <laughs> something, buy something that you need. So just because you actually are able to, there, to succeed in buying something. I don't know if I, is that really, hey, at least the, no, I, at least you can buy what you want, but that does sort of indicate that if you don't have the damn things locked up, you can't, you're gonna go in and not be able to get yeah, what you that's want. The, but I, I can't up. imagine anybody thinks it's, any of us who have walked into a store, I think yeah. everybody is frustrated by these issues. I don't know if you blame the solutions or if you blame the problem that exists to begin with, the idea that stuff gets stolen yeah. if it's not locked up. Men's underwear, all in plastic and locked up. You know what? Fine. Really? I won't wear it. Fine. <laughs> if I, if I got to wait, and get, <laughs> fine. TMI. Fine. Forget it. Uh, I don't need it. Stop. Make sure you mark Another thing I, from now on. <laughs> Another thing I don't have to remember in the morning to do. Coming up. Yes, I would like to know which chair is mine. Cheese will be next. Coming up on Squawk Pod, House Minority Leader Hakeem Jeffries on finding common ground in Congress, working with Republicans, and keeping the government open. The problem that we confront is that the extreme MAGA Republican wing of the House Republican Conference have rejected their own agreement. And all we're asking Speaker Johnson to do is to keep the word of the House Republicans consistent with where House Democrats, Senate Republicans, Senate Democrats, and President Biden have already agreed to land. From pit lane to podium, the Las Vegas Grand Prix is providing fans a race day experience at the speed they deserve. 
with the help of T-Mobile for Business. Our 5G advanced network solutions are powering race day operations with event-wide connectivity. From streamlined gate entry to an immersive app, giving fans blazing fast access to the sport they love. This is accelerating innovation. This is the Las Vegas Grand Prix with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. This is Squawk Pod. Here's Andrew Ross Sorkin. Welcome back to Squawk Box. Uh, let's talk about the summit between President uh, Joe Biden and China's uh, President Xi Jinping. The leader is saying they have agreed to resume high-level military communication, take action to curb fentanyl production, and address issues related to trade and harassment of Americans in China. There are a few other areas that President uh, Biden mentioned in his news conference. It's clear that we object to, be- to Beijing's non-market economic practices and disadvantage that, that disadvantage American businesses and workers, and that we'll continue to address them. We're going to get our experts together to discuss risk and safety issues associated with artificial intelligence. As many of you who travel with me around the world, almost everywhere I go, every major leader wants to talk about the impact of artificial intelligence. These are tangible steps in the right direction to determine what's useful and what's not useful, what's dangerous and what's acceptable. One moment that's likely to receive a chilly reception in China came when President Biden was asked whether he still held the view that uh, President Xi is a dictator. He's a dictator in the sense that he, he is a guy who runs a country that is a communist country that's based on a form of government totally different than ours. Sort of a factual explanation. It's absolutely true. I'm actually not sure we would have a, a chill no, reception in China. It, I think they'd say that's I what, think President Xi would go, yeah, the system, yeah, system and, of and government a is. a damn good one. Uh, after, the, after the summit, President Xi attended a gala reception and dinner with some prominent CEOs. Those included Apple's Tim Cook, Tesla's Elon Musk, Blackstone's Steve Schwartzman, and BlackRock's Larry Fink. Also on that guest list was Bridgewater's Ray Dalio, and we're going to be speaking exclusively with Ray Dalio tomorrow. He's going to join us at 7.30 Eastern Time. The short-term bill to fund the government will head now to President Biden's desk just in time to avoid a shutdown. Uh, But the bill essentially just, uh, here we are with this term again, kicks the can down the road. It's an important term when we're talking uh, about uh, about government sometimes. It'll kick it down until mid-January. Our next guest called for 2024 spending talks to begin immediately. Joining us now, House Minority Leader Hakeem Jeffries. And it's always a, a pleasure and good to see you again, uh, Leader Jeffries. Good morning. Great to see you. I know, I know you've seen this. And I, I just want to roll it again, just so I can feel good again uh, about uh, th- that this can happen and we're going to roll this and I think everybody's holding hands and it was a obviously it was something that, that, that is bipartisan and, and brought uh, both sides together uh, but that there's uh, Leader Schumer and the Leader Jeffries, there's Speaker uh, Johnson that you can see all together all holding hands. Is that just a can it happen again? Is it presaging? Can I be optimistic Leader Jeffries? 
I think there's always reason to be optimistic, you know, particularly when we lean into the American journey, American exceptionalism, and our ability, of course, to continue to overcome turbulence and obstacles and adversity. Now, from the very beginning of this Congress, we have said, as House Democrats, that we are ready, willing, and able to find bipartisan common ground with our Republican colleagues whenever and wherever possible for the good of the American people. And in fact, we've repeatedly done just that. We've done it with respect to the Bipartisan Fiscal Responsibility Act that averted a catastrophic default on our debt. We did it at the end of September to both avert a government shutdown at that point in time. Democrats provided the overwhelming majority of votes necessary uh, to avoid a shutdown and to make sure that we provided disaster assistance for Americans who had been devastated by extreme weather events. Uh, and we were just able to do it once more in providing the majority of votes necessary to pass the continuing resolution at fiscal year 2023 levels and to make sure we averted a shutdown that would have hurt the economy and hurt everyday Americans. So we can continue to do it in my view. But then we're going to get back to brass tacks again and about how far off is it? It's a couple of months, I guess. And all those sticky um, issues that, that the two parties disagree so vehemently on are, are going to be front and center again, most likely. Your cordial relationship with Speaker Johnson, you know, he's going to be, you're pulled in certain directions, obviously, by certain factions of, of, uh, of the Democratic caucus. We saw that recently with, with the, uh, the issue in, in the Middle East. But you know Speaker Johnson is going to be pulled um, by the Freedom Caucus in a certain direction that is not going to be to Democrats' liking. How's it going to work? Well, here's the interesting thing, and here's the reason for optimism in this space. The Bipartisan Fiscal Responsibility Act, as you recall, Joe, set top-line spending numbers for fiscal year 2024. In fact, that was done at the uh, insistence of the former speaker, who demanded that in exchange for avoiding a catastrophic default on America's debt, which would have happened for the first time in American history, inconsistent with our responsibilities to protect the full faith and credit of the United States of America, our Republican colleagues demanded that as part of that negotiation with respect to the debt ceiling, we set top line spending numbers both on the defense side and on the non-defense discretionary side. And we did it. And so the numbers already exist. There's already a bipartisan agreement. More than 300 members of the House supported that agreement. The overwhelming majority of the Senate did so as well, and President Biden signed it into law. The problem that we confront is that the extreme MAGA Republican wing of the House Republican Conference have rejected their own agreement. And all we're asking Speaker Johnson to do is to keep the word of the House Republicans consistent with where House Democrats, Senate Republicans, Senate Democrats, and President Biden have already agreed to land. He could do that, but he probably won't be speaker for very long after that, uh, Leader Jeffers. That's, that's, that's going to be the issue. We saw what happened to, to as you mentioned, former Speaker uh, McCarthy did enter into that in, in good faith. And that, that's kind of what was what set in motion 
uh, the subsequent events, uh, unfortunate events for the speaker. It's hard for me to get involved in the intricacies of what's going on in the midst of the House Republican Civil War, other than to say, let's center the well-being of the American people. Let's figure out how to solve problems for hardworking American taxpayers together. Let's figure out how to continue the economic recovery, not undermine it, and let's do it not as Democrats or Republicans, let's do it as Americans. That is our job fundamentally. And we've articulated that as House Democrats from the very beginning, and I think our actions have now spoken for themselves, uh, and we want to continue to find bipartisan common ground. We probably need to do this, this uh, the aid to a couple of, of the real pressing areas in the, in the world, not here, but, but elsewhere um, later. And, and are you optimistic you can get a, 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 a I mean, are, are the Republicans going to insist on a standalone Israeli aid package? Is it going to be uh, linked to, to Ukraine? That, this is, you know, should be happening within the next couple of weeks, not sometime in mid-2024. We can't wait. You're absolutely correct in terms of that time frame. Uh, and it's my hope that the four corners within the House and the Senate, Democrats and Republicans, majority and minority, sit down sooner rather than later to hash out adhering to President Biden's national security request with respect to Israel. We have to be there for Israel in its time of need in the aftermath of the horrific attack on its people, on its sovereignty on October 7th. We also have to stand with the Ukrainian people in their very important, courageous fight against Russian aggression. Of course, the president has called for humanitarian assistance for Palestinian civilians who are in harm's way in Gaza through no fault of their own, and for civilians who are in harm's way in theaters of conflict all across the world. And that's something that we also need to urgently do. And I don't think it makes any sense for us to piecemeal the approach because on the geopolitical stage, you have the free world, and then you've got the terrorists and authoritarians. And we need to continue to stand together on the side of the free world. Oh, there's so much to talk about. I talk about China. But they're, they're, I just, you know what they just said? A quick wrap. So I don't know what that, I guess it's the opposite of what I'm doing right now, uh, which is talking more and more. But uh, let's do it again, uh, Leader Jeffrey, soon, uh, if we could, and, and we'll keep it going. Let's keep it going and hope for the best. Thank you. Happy Thanksgiving to you, your family, and all your viewers. Thank you. And to you as well, uh, Leader Jeffrey. Next, the Property Brothers, Drew and Jonathan Scott, from HGTV to Squawk Box. Is there like a new trend? You need the island, but is it supposed to be covered all the way around? You're you know, trying, you're trying to get free advice from us. You want us to come us, to your right? house and renovate. <laughs> I get it. It's fine. We'll, we'll, we'll talk after. We'll be right back. From their innovative practice facility to unmatched views from the fairway, the PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with 5G solutions from T-Mobile for Business. Together, we're using AI-powered analytics to expand coaching tools and bringing fans closer to the pros with 5G-connected cameras. This is game-changing innovation. This is the PGA of America with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. You're listening to Squawk Pod. Stand by, Joe. His mic. Cue. 
Good morning and welcome back to Squawk Box here on CNBC, live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Joe Kernan, along with Becky Quick and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Homeowners dealing with a double whammy these days. High mortgage rates making moves more difficult and elevated inflation making renovations more expensive. Join us right now for a special interview on what they're seeing in the housing market, the property Brothers Drew and Jonathan Scott. They are the co-founders of Scott Brothers Global. Good morning to you. Pleasure yeah, to be we here. Haven't, we haven't seen you in person in quite some time. Actually. I know. It was a restraining order or something. You're, you're keeping us away. But uh, no, thanks for having <laughs> us back. Thank, thanks for coming you. in. So we've been talking, I mean, the conversation we have at this table every day is about interest rates, what, you know, what it means for people who either already own a home, whether they're going to renovate a home, whether they're ever going to move. What are you actually seeing right now? Is well, the idea of flipping properties that even work anymore? Well, this is not a... a, a great flipping market right now and a lot of people who are suggesting that that's what they want to do you have to really look at your margins and really be careful there's still money to be made in the real estate um, business but um, it's kind of crazy right now because people are wondering is it going is the history going to repeat itself what's going to happen the rates have eased a little bit but we're there's still buyers out there right. we still yeah. so when you say there's money to be made where are you making it well so we've shifted a lot into our rental portfolio so i mean it, again you only lose money in a, a tough market when you have to sell when you're forced to sell right and so um we same with a lot of our clients they're looking at ways to bring extra income in in california where we are uh, the government's really pushing to have people convert their garages because there's a housing crisis and we, we need more space. And then people have these empty spots in their home that they could do a quick renovation on and get more income coming in. So that's where we've, we've found an opportunity. And the biggest thing still we've been saying to people for a long time is th there used to be this philosophy. And I remember with our parents and, and, and other people who you get a house and you'd stay in it for your, your entire family life. And, you know, your kids would take over the house. And, right. Then it moved into this thing where people were selling on average every three to five years. And every time you do that, you're paying in real estate fees, taxes, all this kind of stuff. Start to look again at how you can have some longevity into a home. Get into a home your family can grow into, and you're going to build that equity within the home. But what do you make? I mean, I don't know. You guys are on TikTok, and you probably see these, these folks who are basically renting properties to then re-rent, the, you know, fixing them up and then trying to re-rent them out on Airbnb. I mean, there's a whole sort of like yeah. separate business model going on. Is that model alive is that dead what do you think of all I mean, that <clears throat> excuse me me personally I, I don't like the idea of the busyness of a short-term rental to deal with myself i like a bit more of a sort of a long-term plan however there can be more money with it and i have some friends who have a small portfolio of um, short terms and they love it they, they think they think it's great i just don't want to be a hotel myself but that is a good opportunity it's to each their own there, there's, there are many ways to get into the market but you're also seeing challenges with the whole airbnb model right. and and the company itself and even somewhere here like new york there are a lot of buildings that are now sweeping in with these no airbnb no short-term rental policies and that can completely affect what somebody's plan was so you really have to dig in and do your due diligence before you jump into an investment if you've never done it before. is there any market you like that you think is like really on the move here that it's un unloved or under or misunderstood um, um, I mean, the thing is, I think you can you can find a good investment anywhere. You know, even like, it's really expensive here in New York or in LA where we are. Um, so, so you know, I've been buying property in Charlotte and the surrounding area. However, I still have good opportunities in Las Vegas, uh, in LA, um, and even where we used to be in Las Vegas. So, I, I think that the only thing that I don't like is when people try and jump into a market that they don't know, uh, an area they don't know, because they think that's where I'm going to make money. But have, you have to have someone you trust there. Otherwise, if you're not the boots on the ground or the eyes on the project, you could go under. Really that's fast. why I think this show is great. That's why I think it's good for people to get the information. It's like doing your research. Don't just jump in blindly and, and tackle what is probably going to be your greatest investment, your biggest investment. So Miami's can, can going to be the, the center of the universe, supposedly, now, of the financial universe. And now I just saw another article that, that added four more 
red cities that everybody's going to go. Houston, Dallas, Miami, they said, and Nashville. Yeah. Nashville, to me, has been an obvious and it's been a growth. That's the headquarters for our, our corporate um, entity. And I, I didn't know about Miami being as hot a spot as it is, but it's... It, 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 I think it might be. Yeah, I mean... Well, then the whole thing, too, I look at somewhere like Nashville, and Nashville's been incredible. The growth has been incredible. But then I always look at somewhere that has had that growth cycle, and then I wonder where are we at in that growth cycle? Is it going to start to cool off? Yeah, Everything I in general think. is still cooling off right now, but we're trying to plan ahead and see what's the next hotspot going to be. And, I mean, if we had a crystal ball, it would be great. Then we, is it a coincidence about the tax rates in Texas and Florida that... that well, I, I mean, you're seeing a lot of states that are trying to incentivize people to start investing again, and, and, and other states who have created policy that's now all of a sudden causing people to want to move away or shift their assets out of that state. So that's the other thing, too, is it's, and, and, and I, I like when people are thinking about, well, do I want to get into real estate? Do I want to do this? The real estate part of it is only one very small thing. The tax benefits and all of the other benefits that can come from whatever state you yeah. decide to operate in is a that you can You're double. You still know like the In and Out Burgers, right? Is well, that is that basically it? Because what's that? The In and Out Burgers. That's why you're still in. No, we were talking about that. <laughs> I moved to California for the In and Out Burger, um, but when we came from Nevada to California, I did cry a little that day. But um, you know, for us, they we are that good. That's we love that's where really we are. Good. It's uh, but yeah. I mean now now we have to look more into Miami. I mean we we don't pretend to know everything too, and we. we we stick to the markets that we really know. Um, you know, out this way, we've also filmed our shows out here a little bit too, which helped us know the surrounding areas in New York where there's a lot of opportunity. And, and a big part of our business too is 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 not just focused on the real estate portfolio, but it's also on the products that we create. We do we manufacture about ten and a half thousand products for the home, and so people are still renovating all through the pandemic as well. Right, we so thought it was let, that's where I was going to go next in terms of renovation. It's always been kitchens. It's always been bathrooms. Are there certain products? Is there like a new trend? What's what's happening here? You know, yeah. brass was hot for a while. Every, every every piece of hardware had to be brass. Well, I, I is it still? What are you supposed to do? Yeah, I mean, you need you know, the island, but is it supposed to be covered all the way around? You're you know, trying. You're just trying to get free advice. You want us to come to your house and renovate? <laughs> I get it. It's fine. We'll we'll, we'll talk after. Now, the uh, the big thing right now is decarbonizing the home uh, because we are more aware now of a lot of the unhealthy habits that we've had within the home and poor air quality. I mean, some of the stats are showing too, your air quality within the home is 10 times worse than outside of your home, which most people think it would be the other way around. So um, looking at induction ranges instead of uh, gas ranges, better ventilation in the home, and also having automation that can help um, adjust yeah. your, your technologies to bring down the cost of your utilities. Better be good with marble. If you're going to do anything at Andrews, uh, house, I, I, right? I, mean, I will talk you out of marble. marble. Marble's a problem. Marble, a marble is a problem. Is a prob we agree. Marble is a problem. Well, you, I thought your whole foyer was like you can't. If you even talk, it echoes through the entire. A lot of echoing, but that's because of the high ceilings. No, I'm. You got to talk less in the house, then you won't have the echo problem. That's what I find. I, it's. Um, I think yep. in, within the home, the big things we focus everything from our product line to our, our shows. It's all about helping families get the most out of their home to have a safe, happy, healthy home, and also anything we can do to help make it affordable is is important to us. People can have a beautiful home, but it doesn't function. So focusing on function right. first, and then the beauty is where we where we hit we it. We got to run it, and I know. I'm going to get killed for this. Social media, in terms of how you market your products, what's working and what's not? Real quick, 30 seconds. Uh, everything now is shifting. You're seeing content-driven commerce. Right. And so that's what we're trying to find, organic ways to introduce products. And anything curated for us is selling better than anything that just looks like 
you know, a catalog or a listing. And to be honest, if your plan is social media for selling, that's a, that's a weak plan. You need a bigger picture plan. Uh, one thing we do find, we connect our fans just being real on social. Yes, I will do some goofy videos and stuff from time to time, but sometimes if you have something that doesn't look like a commercial, it'll help sell better. Yes, Drew embarrasses me on social yes. media. Thank that's you, guys. Drew <laughs> and Jonathan, Scott, thank you, guys. Appreciate thank it. You. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's Squawk Pod. Make sure to follow us and leave a review wherever you get your podcasts. And make sure to turn on notifications so you don't miss an episode. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 Eastern. We'll meet you back here tomorrow. We are clear. Thanks, guys. From a flat tire in the city to a dead battery on a distant drive, AAA is partnering with T-Mobile for Business to accelerate response times and get more drivers back on the road fast. Our nationwide connectivity powers location telematics, so AAA's fleet can find stranded drivers quickly while being fully equipped with the in-vehicle tools to have answers when they get there. This is elevating the member experience. This is AAA with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now.